It's Friday, April 14th, 2023. Welcome to the Defense Scoop Podcast, where you'll hear what's going on in defense technology. I'm the host of the Defense Scoop Podcast, Billy Mitchell. Here's what's happening now. The Department of Defense is behind on expanding its software development workforce, according to the Government Accountability Office. A new report from the Government Watchdog says the Pentagon needs to do more to ensure it has the workforce needed to carry out its efforts, including the department's software modernization strategy. A DOD official told GAO that they are collecting data to identify department-wide information on its current software workforce composition. The Army is slowly but surely making progress on standing up its zero-trust architecture. At this week's CrowdStrike Government Summit, Colton O'Malley, Deputy Commander and CISO for the Army Command and Control Support Agency, said the Army is at the crawl phase on its journey to implement the security model across the enterprise. All military branches have a 2027 goal to implement the architecture. You can read more about these stories and more at DefenseScoop.com. Defense Tech Week is just around the corner. Hosted by Defense Scoop, Defense Tech Week is the nation's premier week-long festival dedicated to technology's critical role in the future of modern U.S. defense and national security. The lineup includes community-driven events featuring leaders in defense, technology, and academia. It all begins May 8th, and it's happening across D.C. You'll also be able to enjoy plenty of sessions virtually if you can't be there in person. Learn more at DefenseTechWeek.com. The Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency is launching a dynamic engagement effort to reimagine the future of artificial intelligence for national security. DARPA will use AI Forward to collaborate with and help shape future research paths for the community of experts now working to make trustworthy AI a near-term reality. Defense Scoop reporter Brandy Vincent recently spoke with Dr. Matt Turek, Deputy Director of DARPA's Information Innovation Office, about the future of technologies like ChatGPT and the potential impact it will have on national security. You know, some of the issues that we thought were significant, people had already made some uh, impressive progress against. They're not solved by any means. Uh, But just going back to your point that, uh, you know, the field is evolving super quickly here. What's an example of one of those that, oh, wow, progress is made? Right. So, um, you know, early last year, if you took a look at uh, things like uh, the training cost, of uh, large language models, um, you know, the costs, while still high, there were some interesting results around um, how do you optimally balance the amount of training data and the size of the model? So sort of going back to that emergent capability, you know, do I leverage data? Do I leverage the the number of parameters, the description power of the, the model? Um, there's been some research that shows, well, for a certain type of models, here's the optimal, here's sort of the optimal path to trade off um, the data and the size of the model. That wasn't something that existed for chat, G, or sorry, for GPT-3, uh, for instance. And in fact, what that, uh, that's a, a paper that's often referred to as the chinchilla paper, because they built a much smaller model, which they referred to as chinchilla that was just as performant as GPT-3. And so, you know, another thing that that paper showed is that the community actually was exploring really in the wrong part of the space. They were emphasizing the model size much more than the amount of data. And and so that, that chinchilla paper showed, well, here's what a optimal trade-off looks like for the current, uh, uh, the current type of models. There's been even more work on, can I 
create a much smaller representation from something like GPT-3, a smaller number of parameters while still maintaining a high degree of performance. So, you know, industry is highly incentivized to work on those problems because they're paying the price for training the large models, but they're also costly to use, um, you know, at what, uh, what the research community calls inference time. So when you're asking for an output from a model, uh, that just because of the size of the model, that's an expensive process in terms of compute and then ultimately in terms of energy and dollars and, and things like that. So, um, so that's, that's one example of an area that has been uh, rapidly changing. That's really helpful. Um, just a couple more, and I'll tie them together because I know we're getting close. I want you to talk a little more directly about like what the national security implications of this and for this could be. We didn't really talk about the military um, or DOD at all, so expand on that. And then separately, to kind of tie it all together, you mentioned how some of this has roots back to um, your predecessor at DARPA around the time of the internet. And I was thinking when, as we were talking about this, that like that was a time when they didn't know what the outcome would look like. And so there is a connection to almost be made there of this next wave, I think, but I'd love to hear sort of your thoughts on that too. Uh, right, so I mean, in terms of the national security implications, I think there's, uh, there's a couple, and I'll, I'll talk about national security sort of writ broadly. One is that, you know, adversaries are also pursuing these sorts of capabilities. They might be uh, willing to um, use them and deploy them much more quickly. So that's something that we need to understand. Again, what are the strengths and weaknesses of these models? What, what advantage might that can, uh, confer to an adversary that uh, decides to integrate these as part of their intelligence analysis process, uh, for instance? Looking more broadly than that, the models are... Um, becoming widely accessible. Uh, now companies are starting to integrate the ability to call out to web services and to APIs. Um, so that might just seem like more software, but if you think about it, Uber is just software too. Really, it, it's, it's just, an, you know, no one's brokering those transactions by hand. It's all just software and an API. And so, Software APIs can articulate things in the real world. Uh, and so think about these models with the possibility of hallucinations or making mistakes. Again, while they have compelling capabilities, I think the potential speed and scale at which they could make mistakes, particularly when starting to be connected to the real world or to take real financial actions or other things like that, that's a potential security concern. Again, national security uh, writ large. The use of these models to generate mis and disinformation and do that at much larger scale than what we've seen previously uh, to require much less skill from an adversary. You know, the ability to provide a text prompt and get compelling images, you know, the ability to interact with the model and get it to write code that can be used for uh, malware, uh, for instance. Uh, you know, there's, there's a nice example of uh, GPT-4 being used to con construct a functioning website quick quickly, right? You could start putting all these pieces together and think about generating not just um, misinformation as content, but the sites that host it, right? Yeah. And that might not be, uh, that might just be for trying to mine ad revenue. Let me take a controversial position. It's clickbait. Let's stand up a whole bunch of websites 
And we've seen people use that, that tactic already, but think about automating that process, being able to do it much more quickly at scale. Um, certainly things like targeted phishing attacks that are just uh, well-crafted. Again, on the miss and disinformation space, I think you know this really lowers uh, the bar in terms of the skill and, and the capability that an adversary might uh, need uh, to create a large-scale uh, miss or disinformation campaign. So again, those are some examples of um, you know some of the potential uh, concerns in this space. And then last, very last quick thing, just tying it back to it being so new. Do you think that this is sort of entering a new wave of technology? I, I think what is uh, transformational here, so we've certainly had machine learning and AI capabilities for a while. They've often been, you know, what we refer to as narrow AI. They work for a very targeted problem. I think what the the transformational element here is just how broadly capable these large models see. And so then it's not just unlocking a possibility in a very narrow focused domain, but unlocking a very broad set of possibilities, both positively and negatively, right? Positively might enable use of AI across a whole host of fields, negatively opens up a large attack surface. Uh, that might evolve at a speed and scale that we're just not used to dealing with. Again, I'll just reiterate, DARPA has been investing in this area for decades. Uh, some of the foundational investments in um, rules-based or symbol-based AI and machine learning approaches, we still feel like uh, that third wave AI that, that combines rule-based and statistical approaches is particularly important. If you think about how an AI system can go wrong, even just in terms of misunderstanding a goal, it's because it doesn't understand that context for what are what are appropriate ways to achieve that goal that aren't going to have side effects. And so that third wave AI, which we also talked about as you know uh, having contextual understanding, I think uh, is uh, becoming even more important in the context of these uh, breakthrough technologies. You can learn more about DARPA's AI Forward program at defensescoop.com. The Defense Scoop podcast is available on all podcast platforms. If you've already rated the podcast on your platform of choice, thanks so much. High ratings and good reviews of the show help more people to find it. The Defense Scoop podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney and Carlin Fisher help put the show together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. We'll talk to you again on April 28th. Until then, I'm your host, Billy Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening.